How many are glad to be in the house of God tonight? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, wow. God has just been so good, and these last few days have been so good. You know, uh, I, I'm often, uh, you know, uh, just always honored when a pastor takes a step of faith and says, let's do this. Let's, let's take a, let's set aside regular schedule, and let's just spend some time together with God. And, um, you know, I, I know sometimes we, we wish maybe we could have bigger crowds or, or, or have this or that. But a long time ago, I just started focusing on who, who is here and the Holy Spirit's here and you're here. And so because of that, I know that all things are possible. Amen. Uh, and so uh, I just praise God for that. And uh, I know that God wants to do something special here tonight. And I, I prayed for you today. I did. I prayed. Uh, I prayed that if the enemy was trying to keep you away from the house of God, that no matter what the strategy was, that the, the headache would go away, the tiredness would go away, the, uh, the whatever the challenge was. And, and, and so thank you for being here and uh, thank you for pressing through. Thank you, Pastor, so much. Uh, Pastor and I, we just we have a great time together. We really do. Uh, <coughs> Uh, we, we just, we had a great time today. We, I think we laughed more, uh, than we did anything else. And it was just, it's just good to, to be able to do that. And, uh, it's, it's, I would love to tell you it's like that every week when I'm with the pastor, but it's not always like that. Your pastor's just, he's just a good guy, isn't he? I mean, he's just an easy guy to love. Amen. I know I'm not telling you anything. And so, uh, you guys are blessed. Him and his wife are just wonderful and we appreciate uh, our, our friendship and uh, thank you for having us and uh, and you know I, I'm sorry would, would you indulge me something as pastor just said we're family uh, can you on this last night can can everybody just stand up and let's all just come right down here a little bit closer because I think that would help us make us feel like we're family can you do that can everybody just like stretch yourself I know this is stretching for some of you and 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 it's going to be a dual purpose okay um I rarely do this, but I remember this. Uh, We have prayer cards, and uh, I love uh, to get prayer cards into people's hands. Do you mind going around? I know I handed around some around to people, but if if you want our prayer card, uh, he's got some. It's going to go around and and look for people, to. It's got all of our information on there, and uh, we need your prayer. the enemy is constantly trying to do things to keep us from continuing to be an evangelist. And, and we just refuse to, to give up. Um, people say, well, it's so hard to be an evangelist and we just don't have many more. Well, I tell you what, until God tells me to do something different, that's all I know to do. And uh, so I'm going to continue being an evangelist. Amen. <laughs> uh, the, the, how many knows that... Uh, uh, sometimes it's good to be in the house of God, right? How many knows it's always good to be in the house of God? Just just a little funny story. It's funny because it worked out, okay? It wouldn't have been funny if my wife and I wouldn't have been at the church that night. Uh, my wife and I were out in the great state of Texas. We were speaking in Lubbock, Texas of all places. Anybody ever been out to that God-forsaken land except that God put oil under that uh, uh that flat, windswept, tornado, uh, hot place uh, called Lubbock, in, uh, way out there in, in West Texas. And uh, 
And so we were speaking at First Assembly of God in Lubbock, Texas, of all places. We spoke Sunday morning, went back to the hotel for the afternoon, and then that night we came back to church. While we were at church, no joke, this really did happen. Uh, while we were at church on Sunday night, um, our hotel room had somebody drive their vehicle into it. How many knows it's a good thing when you're in church sometimes? If I would have been laying on the bed that was next to that window, wouldn't have been near as funny as it is. Now, it gets funnier because the poor lady, I mean, I don't know. And it's not like the window was like the curb or anything. I mean, there was a whole hedge and separation and a curb between the parking spot and the edge of the building. I mean, the funny part is, is that she drove into our hotel room, literally, like it pushed the wall in. I mean, things were rearranged. The air conditioning unit is moved. My, my, my luggage has stuff all over in it. Literally, the, the, the structure had to be checked out by the fire department because it was a multi-story uh, hotel. This was the funny thing is, <laughs> I, I, I guess she just thought nobody would notice. Because all she did was she just backed up and went and parked in another spot. So when the police knock on her door, it, like I said, it gets funnier she went ahead and checked in. She stayed in the hotel that she just drove into. Wow. Just thought I'd make you laugh. Takes all kinds, doesn't it? God bless her. Uh, I really did feel sorry for her. She, was, she actually said she was on her way back from Mexico uh, doing a, uh, where she'd been down there on a mission trip. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to believe sometimes, but uh, praise be to God. I'm just thankful I was in church. And so see, maybe God's protecting you from something tonight because you came to the house of God. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, it, you know, uh, today um, I was packing up some things and I came across something and I I know I, I share a lot of times about soccer salvation camps and crusades and and uh, uh, be praying with us because the next one that we've committed to do uh, really is an ultimate illustration of what the message tonight is about because how many knows that God can take what the devil intended for bad and turn it into something good, right? Our last soccer salvation camp and crusade was up in the northern part of the country of Chile in Ovalle, Chile. And uh, that week, uh, we had something that we've never been able to do in the, the other 42. So this was our 43rd Soccer Salvation Camp or Crusade that we've done all over the world. Every one of them, we have to raise around fifteen to 20000 apiece. Every kid gets a brand new Bible in their language. Every kid gets a soccer ball. We feed them hot meals every day. They get T-shirts, trophies. We have to rent uh, soccer fields, buses. We, uh, you know, my plane tickets, travel, ter interpreters, uh, follow up. There, there's a, a lot of things that go into it that, that even I'm not listing that that is required. And uh, this this uh, 
for the very first time, this was our 43rd one, uh, and for the, for I'd always wanted to do this, but for the very first time, the one we did, uh, we were able to have a whole medical team volunteer and come and serve that week. We had medical doctors, we had eye doctors, and we had dentists. They all paid their own way, volunteered, brought their own equipment, medicines, uh, even brought office personnel, and they came and they served the kids that were in the camp and their entire families for free that whole week of the camp. They 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 ministered to their whole families, did all this. It was, it was incredible. We even went out and bought toothbrushes and toothpaste for all the kids because, you know, that we just take that for granted. You know, a lot of the places that I go to, uh, I mean, kids have never had a toothbrush. I mean, they, I mean, they don't even, that's not even the realm and definitely went out toothpaste. And, and uh, so literally the, uh, the dentist, uh, they had sessions to teach the kids how to use a toothbrush. And these are kids like these are some of the kids are, are, are teenagers. I mean, uh, we usually take from eight to, to 14 is the age, our target. And, uh, but one of the couples that volunteered that week, um, uh, he was, uh, him and his wife uh, are in their 50s, and they live in Santiago, Chile. So it's about a five-hour drive from where we were. And they took a week of vacation off so they could come and volunteer and be one of the coaches of the teams. So that week, uh, he was jazzed, man. This this guy, he was just awesome. He he loved it. He was so excited. Every day on Facebook, he's posting pictures of what's happening at the camp. And uh, we had an incredible camp. And at the end of it, on, on Friday night, it was the last night, and uh, had the crusade. And then uh, everybody went home, and I flew back to the United States. Five days from the end of that soccer salvation camp, five days later, uh, he was back in Santiago, headed to work. And that particular morning, he decided to drive, ride his bike to work instead of uh, use public transportation or their car. And uh, that morning, uh, a truck driver that was high on drugs uh, ran over this guy literally ran over his head and killed him five days after he was serving on a soccer salvation camp crusade and reaching kids for Jesus Christ. His last week of life was reaching kids and their families for Jesus Christ. I was devastated. I mean, there are pictures that he posted that of me standing there with him and his wife and myself and the kids on his camp. And we have our soccer salvation camp t-shirts on and, and, uh, and his wife just broken, broken as any widow has ever been broken because after just being on a spiritual high and sacrificing and giving of themselves to serve for the kingdom of God, five days later, she is being called by the authorities to come and identify her husband's dead body after a semi-truck ran over his head. So if you think when I, 
ask you to take a prayer card. That I'm just asking for a nice little prayer. I don't think maybe sometimes people realize we are on the front lines. Satan hates what we do. And it is life and death. He is out to stop us. But how many knows what the devil intended for bad, God intended for good? So at the funeral of this man, God made a God connection. Because the friends that I work with that are the missionaries to Chile, the friends that we have done multiple soccer salvation camps with them and their church around the country of Chile and into Argentina, as well as Canary Islands. They did not know this other couple that were pastors, but the common denominator in this story was this man and his wife, the one that died. And so at the funeral, this widow introduces my friends, her pastors, missionaries. She introduces them to some other friends of theirs. And these other friends are pastors. Five years before, they had been sent out by another church to go to the southern part of Chile in a remote town outside of Los Angeles, Chile, to start a church. That home church that they were attending says, we're going to send you and we're going to help you start a new work and start a new church. And we're going to be there for you. So they packed up them and their their children that were grown and had their own families and their own kids. And they took off and they moved out in the middle of nowhere and started this little church. But for five years, they felt like they were on an isolated island desert place because the church wasn't supporting them and they felt abandoned. They were discouraged. Things weren't happening. And yet they're good friends. They were Facebook friends with them and they saw the postings all that week that their friend was posting of the soccer salvation camp and the crusade. And they just were looking at each other and they said, wow, wouldn't it be so great if maybe one day we could have a camp like that? If we could have an outreach like that in our community to help our church reach our world, wouldn't it be great? Well, at the funeral of this amazing man of God, There was a connection made. And so the missionary sent word to me. And so I flew back to Chile. This was in October of 2019, a few months before COVID hit the world. I flew back to Chile. I met in downtown Santiago at a Starbucks, that widow and her three grown sons. And we sat there at that Starbucks, tears streaming down all of our eyes. I looked in the eyes of these three grown men, the sons, bitter, angry, running from God, mad at God, mad at the world, mad because their dad was so viciously taken from them. 
and I look in the eyes of a broken-hearted widow trying to make sense of it all. Then they, she told me about the friends. And so after meeting them, me and my missionary friends, her pastors, we all got in a vehicle and we drove to the southern part of Chile, five-hour drive, and we pulled up on a Saturday night out in the middle of nowhere, pulled up to this little church out there that that, that, that family had started. I mean, there is literally a goat tied up to a tree outside the front door of this church. And uh, I got to go in there and I got to preach into that service in that church. And then through the confirmation of the Holy Spirit and God, we committed that the very next soccer salvation camp or crusade would be there in their community for the glory of God. How many knows God takes what the enemy intended for bad and turns it into something good? Amen. So, so we are, we have started talking again with Chile. We are actively trying to raise the funds. We are going to need to at least raise around $18,000. Thank you so much for hearing from God. And I just want to tell you, sometimes I think when I, when I talk about, you know, soccer salvation camps and, and soccer and, and you, you just, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of people just think, oh, they're just out there playing a bunch of games. Well, uh, I want to show you something that's really special that has literally uh, traveled the world now with me uh, at least over a million miles. Uh, this travels in my computer bag, and I came across it today, and I wanted to get it out because we did a uh, soccer salvation camp in Brotseni, Latvia, several years ago. And Latvia is next to Russia, and it used to be a part of the USSR. So excuse me, most of their life they had, had been in, uh, been overwhelmed and controlled by the communists. So this young man was invited to the soccer salvation camp that we did there in Brotseni, Latvia, this small community. And because his grandmother uh, had been raised in communism, but she was in her 70s, uh, uh, late 70s, and uh, she had been raised in a nation and she had been raised under a government that said there is no God, she had been raised to be an atheist. Uh, she did not know Jesus Christ. She had never been to church. She didn't have a Bible. Uh, but she was excited about her grandson getting a chance to play at the very nicest uh, soccer field in their community. And it was all free for them. Obviously, we pay for it, everything. They saw how much fun we had. And every day that grandmother came and watched her grandson at that soccer soccer camp and then every night we rented out the local community center to have the crusade and every night she was at the service and on the last night of the service this grandmother walks up to me and through the translator she begins to say hey I just want to let you know thank you so much for inviting my grandson to be a part of the soccer salvation camp and crusade and and I just want to tell you that here I am this old woman here in, in Latvia that's been been raised in communism most of my life, never to know Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to let you know that to thank you for all the wonderful things you've done this week for our community, for our kids. But I wanted to tell you, I really wanted to tell you most of all, thank you for leading me to my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Come on. Yeah. Let's praise God. Praise God. 
this grandmother at the end of her life God had us go to a specific city in a, in a town, in a place that most of us don't even know where it's at on the map. But God cares about everyone. He's not willing that any should perish. And so here this woman that has had nothing, I mean, just raised in communism, where, where they're so repressed and kept from something. So she pulls something out, and she said, this is my most prized possession, and wanted to give it to you. Because I wanted you to never forget about a grandmother being saved. Because I want you to tell people wherever you go that not only children are being saved in soccer camps. Not only are their siblings getting saved, their parents getting saved, even grandmothers are getting saved. Back in the 1950s, she was on the championship, the women's national championship basketball team. Her team won the women's national basketball championship. And her humble communist gold medal that she received for winning that championship is right here in my hand. And there's never been a more humbling moment in my life. A great responsibility. But what this means... And I'm sorry if you say, why are you getting emotional? It's not about this medal. It's about the countless lives and the faces that I've seen for the last 25 years that God's given me the chance to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whether it's speaking at a church in Littlestown, Pennsylvania, or whether it's, whether it's going halfway around the world and showing up in a community, in a place, in a country that I didn't know, and I don't speak the language, but we all understand what it means to receive love. And when you receive that love with the gift of Jesus Christ, it makes all the difference. So when you were wrestling with this ministry this week, this is what you're investing in. Grandmas being saved before they go into eternity. For some reason, God had me share that tonight. For some reason, he made me come across this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want you to stand, if you would, please, for the reading of God's word. I want you to turn to that book, Genesis. If you have a hard time finding Genesis, we need to talk. Genesis chapter 41. I referred to a, a, a couple of scriptures there. Genesis chapter 41. We all know the story of Joseph, the young man that received the coat from his father because he was the special son. and His brothers hated him so much that they wanted to kill him, but they sold him into slavery. He was taken to Egypt, sold as a piece of property to Potiphar. 
Even though he had a right to be bitter and angry and thinking God had forgotten him and abandoned him, he always kept his faith in God. Then he was wrongly accused by his boss's wife and thrown into prison. I am sure all those years had to be some of the darkest, darkest years of his life. And I'm sure that he thought many, many times, I will never have freedom. I will never have joy. I will never be happy again. I will never get married. I will never know what it's like to have a wife. I will never know what it's like to have children. I will never get to be a dad. Now that is your backstory. Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Verse 52. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Can you say praise to God to that? For the guy that had been going to be killed and then sold as a slave, taken to another country, wrongly accused, thrown into a prison, forgotten in prison, rotting away. And I'm now reading to you about the fact that God gave him the favor of God, and he's now in the palace. He went from the prison to the palace in one day. So I don't know how you walked in here tonight. I don't know what prison you're in, prison of depression and pain and, and, and sickness and, and, and depression and, and all the things that we can be in, but I'm here to tell you, if you will allow God to do it, he will take your prisoner clothes off and put you in royal robes of God's favor and then be blessed with Manasseh and Ephraim. Can you imagine having two boys that every time you call their names, you are reminded of God's faithfulness. Amen. Father, for these next few moments, may it be a powerful time of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. May you, Lord, awaken the dream in someone's life tonight. May you give someone hope right now. God, may you impart into someone the ability to forgive and to be healed in an area that has robbed them of joy and progress in their life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you glory for that. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, Manasseh and Ephraim. Come on, those that haven't had kids yet, you're going to have kids someday, and you want to have a you want to have a, a a biblical name. There you go, Manasseh and Ephraim. Can you imagine every time he said Manasseh? It means it is because God has made me forget all my trouble. Can you imagine when every time he said Ephraim? It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. 
Do you know what God wants to take with our, our, our unfair moments in our lives? You know what he wants to do with them? He wants us to be fruitful in those. He, he wants us to come out of those. You see, the prison of pain uh, that we have went through, you see, if I was to go around the room and interview every one of us, every one of us have times in our lives that have been unfair, right? You, you face some kind of unfairness. You went through something you shouldn't have had to go through. For the last 25 years, I could tell you thousands of stories. Stories that would break your heart. The unthinkable things that I have seen, heard, experienced. I remember one service. At the end of the service, a mother walked up to me. She had teenage son and daughter. And she looked at me. She had such bitterness and brokenness inside of her. And she looked at me and she says, my entire life since I was 12 years old, I've carried the bitterness and the pain of my past. The pain of my past was that my brother molested me and got me pregnant as a 12-year-old, and then my dad made me have an abortion. I could tell you about a pastor. His dad was a very well-known pastor, had a huge church. So this pastor that I'm talking about, he grew up in a pastor's home. And it's so many times this happened. He was molested by somebody in the church. Somebody in his dad's church molested him as a kid. So one day, here he is, he's grown up, he's married. He's got his own little boy now. And he has me come to speak at his church. He said, Ron, could you come into my office I want to talk to you about something. He said, I've never really talked about this to anyone, but I just feel like I need to tell you. When I was growing up in my dad's church, somebody molested me. Because of that, I've struggled my entire life with pornography. But because of what happened to me, I was determined that it wasn't going to happen to my son. So he said, my wife and I came to the agreement that our little boy, we would not trust anyone to keep him or have access to him. The only exception they made was just they were basically adopted grandparents, like in the church. It's just this sweet elderly couple. That was the only exception because they just weren't going to take the chance. A year later, I was coming back to speak for him. And it was almost like deja vu because he said, Ron, would you mind coming to my office? I want to talk to you about something. I'm thinking... Did he maybe not remember? He told me. I sat down and he proceeds to tell me this. 
He said, Ron, you remember last year when you came to my church and I had you come into my office and I, I told you about what happened to me as a child. And so I was determined that it wasn't going to happen to my child. Remember how I told you that? I said, yeah. He said, well, we just found out that that grand adopted grandfather, that one couple in the church that we trusted has been sexually molesting our little boy. Can I tell you something, church? Can I tell you parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles? You cannot protect your kids. 100% of the time. You can't. You know why? It's because a majority of the time, the people that do it are the people we trust. It's not the boogeyman. It's not the stranger. It's the person you trust. So if you cannot protect them 100% of the time, no matter how much you think you can, you have to prepare them. Mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, as early as possible, you must prepare your kids. You must teach them. I've come across so many stories in my lifetime. I came across a story of a little, he was around nine or ten years old. His family always went to church. And the story is told that he went to church on a Sunday morning. And and while at church, a man in that church invited the little boy over for the afternoon. And he he was feeding lunch and he could play with the kids in his neighborhood. And the little boy was excited and, and, and went and asked his parents and And it was a time, it happened many years ago, it was a time there was a lot more trust, it wasn't so much distrust. So the parents said, yeah, that's fine, just be back, make sure he brings you back to church tonight. Little boy went over for the afternoon, was just excited to be at somebody else's house and experience something and, and, and was just excited. So he went to that house and... The man gave him lunch, and he could hear kids outside uh, already playing, and he asked if he could go outside and play. But that was the point that the little boy would be introduced to the darkest and the evil of the world. It doesn't matter that you're a little innocent nine-year-old boy that has done nothing to deserve anything like this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're a five-year-old little girl. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's not right. It's not, it doesn't matter that it's unfair. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that people that you should be able to trust are the ones that hurt you the most. So the reality is these things happen. And that afternoon, that little boy found out that that man should not be a trusted man in a church because he turned out to be a child pedophile. And he sexually molested that little boy that afternoon. And it didn't matter 
that he begged for it to stop. It didn't matter that he cried out. It didn't matter. Then that man threatened him, threatened him, scared him. That little boy went home that night, not the same boy that went to church that morning. His his life was crushed. His life was devastated. He was he was shown a prison of darkness and pain by the enemy himself using a child pedophile as the open door, trying to take this little boy's life out as soon as he possibly could. And after that day, he was so scared and overwhelmed that it would begin to develop fears and phobias in him, things he became afraid of that he'd never been afraid of. And he never told his parents because he'd been threatened. He never told his pastor. In fact, he told no one. You see, the enemy, he likes to pile on. The thousands of stories that I could share with you tonight to illustrate the same thing that Joseph's life. You see, it's never just one thing that's going to get you to go over the edge, is it? It just can't be just the pit that your brothers threw you in. It's not going to just be that. No, the enemy is going to make sure then, no, let's sell you as a slave and, and then let's make you be a slave and, and then be mistreated and then, then let's make sure that you get wrongly accused even though you're innocent and, and, and you're thrown into a prison and you're rotting in a foreign prison. You see, it's never just one thing that begins to pile on because the enemy understands the more things that I can isolate you in your pain, the easier I can keep you away from giving your life to Jesus Christ and receiving the freedom that God has for you. You see, that little boy was now a crushed little boy. He was a shell. He was an easy target. They would move to another state and and even though he was now a young teenager, one day he missed the bus. And they lived way outside of town. And there was a custodian at the school that had his radar. It was easy to pick those out. He zoned in on that boy. Walked up to that boy and said, hey. Did you miss your bus? Always coming across. The enemy is always going to come across as offering you something. Something that's supposed to be good and helpful. But in the end, it's nothing but pain and grief. As the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't ever forget that. And then that young man, different state, different church, a little bit older, now in youth group. Once again, he was an easy target. But by who? It's unthinkable. 
This time he was the target of his own youth pastor that was single. It would come out one day that he was a homosexual and a child pedophile and been taking boys from the children's church on Sunday morning and molesting them in the boys' bathroom. And he would invite the boys over from the youth group to his house on the weekends. And once again, life was unfair. You see, the story is just like a million other stories. Just like your story. Just like Joseph's. So many others. Everybody will always have a reason to not trust. The reality is, church, either God called us, and when he called us, he says, I'm going to go with you. And even when the enemy attacks you from all sides, I'm still the dream giver, and I'm still going to do things in your life, Joseph. The dream I gave you, it will come true. But let me tell you something, church. His brothers, Joseph's brothers, didn't have a chance. They didn't have a right. They didn't have access to stop the dream. The enemy does not have a right to stop the dream that God's given you. God's got a purpose for your life. You see, the very person that you blame because of what they did, because they walked out on you, because they cheated on you, because they abandoned you, you see, you want to blame them. But the reality is they don't have access to your dream. They can't take your dream. They can't take your destiny. They can't take your calling because God's the one that gives the calling. He's the one that gives the dream. You see, the only one that can ever stop the dream and the destiny that God has for us is us. You see, what you and I have to decide tonight is, has what we went through, has it robbed enough of us already? The guy that raped you, the dad that beat you, the mom that walked out on you, the kids at school that made fun of you, the boyfriend that date raped you. You see, the reality is, is that we got to come to a place in our lives that we realize and recognize that, yeah, life is unfair at times and life can be very painful at times. But wait a minute, God says, uh, in spite of all of that, I went to the cross so that I could overcome all those things, so that in spite of all of those things that are unfair in our lives, we can still come out on top because our joy comes from our Lord. It doesn't come from our situation. It doesn't come from our past. It doesn't come from our future. It comes from the one that created us. You see, the reason I'm able to share you these stories, the reason I told you that story about that little boy, that what? 10-year-old, the one that was isolated by a youth pastor, by a man in his church, by the custodian, is because that little boy was me. You 
See, statistics tell me I should be so many other places. Because life's been unfair. But I'm so glad that when I was four years old on a Tuesday night, kneeling down beside my mom and dad's bed at my home, and my mom led me to Jesus Christ, and my mom and dad introduced me to a book that says I don't have to be a statistic. Rather, I get to be a child of the Most High God. And no matter what the enemy intended to harm me and no matter what he tried to take, he could not take away my dream and my destiny. You see, this is the thing you have to realize. Listen to me, everyone. Please, 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 please listen to this one thing. If Joseph never was in the pit and he was never in Potiphar's house, then he would have never been put in the prison cell so he could be at the right place. So when it was his time to step into the palace, he would be available. You see, Joseph could have been stewing down in that prison, angry with God, mad at the world, selfish, self-centered, wasting his life away like so many people do. But Ron, you don't understand. You know what? You're right. I don't understand. But he does. But Ron, you don't have the answer. You know what? I know I don't have the answer, but he does. You see, I'm just crazy enough. Just crazy enough to believe that in somehow, some small and insignificant way, when God called me to share my story 25 years ago, he said, Ron, if you'll do that, I'll make sure that you have a Manasseh and an Ephraim. I'll make sure that you have the dream. I'll make sure that your past and your pain will be turned into something good for the glory of God. Come on, church. The enemy made a bad calculation. The enemy had a strategy session that went south. When all the demons and Satan got together and they said, well, let's try to take this boy out at nine years old by a child pedophile in his church. It was a bad strategy day, church. Oh, it was a bad strategy day when he says, well, let's try let's try the custodian from his, his school one day. Oh, when that doesn't work, let's try his youth pastor. Oh, come on, let's use that. No, let's use the fact that his dad was so violent and angry that he would beat us with a belt. I I remember seeing things. I remember seeing and knowing. I remember reaching and grabbing the shotgun out of my mom's hand as a 15-year-old so she didn't blow her brains out in front of us because she was depressed and suicidal. I do know this, church, that when you're holding your baby little girl in your arms at 16 months old and she looks absolutely perfect. The perfect picture of health. Beautiful little girl. And all you hear the words are, she has a rare and curable disease. She has tumors throughout her brain and her heart. There is nothing we can do. Take her home and enjoy every day you have with her because we cannot tell you if she will live or die. We cannot tell you if she will be able to walk or 
her talk. We can't tell you she will be a wheelchair. We can't tell you anything except that she has a horrible disease that there is no cure. See, our little girl that I talked about this week that we're fostering to adopt. Seriously, a little side note. I'm 52. I've flown 3 million miles. I have four fractures in my vertebrae. I have broken titanium screws from a failed fusion in my spine. I've had cancer that spread. I've went through so many things. I've had more surgeries. I've been put to sleep under general anesthesia over 100 times in my life of them trying to constantly keep up with the pain that my body is in. Y'all please pray for me because I got now a two and a half year old that's got way too much energy. I mean, way too much energy. She wakes us up every morning, even though we have a video monitor and she is just across the hall. And the way we get woken up just out of pure, just out of nowhere. Daddy! Daddy! Yes, baby, we can hear you if you just talk normal. Good. Next morning. Daddy! Next nap. Daddy! Best things. The best sound in my ears are yours. Because you know what? In 15 days, we will be in Dauphin County Court standing in front of Judge Terry with our little two-and-a-half-year-old little girl. Why? Because her bio mom and her bio dad, doing drugs and alcohol, had triplets. And they didn't want to stop the drugs and the alcohol. So one day when the triplets were getting so old that they could climb out of their crib, they decided that they would protect them by putting a mattress over the top of their crib and they put two 50 pound bags of salt on top of the mattress so that they could contain the triplets inside the crib and then one day tragedy happened and it all fell in and there was two little girls and a little boy and the little boy of the triplets was suffocated and killed before our little girl's bio mom went to prison for the death of one of her children. She has six total. She has access to none of them. She was a foster child herself because her mother doesn't have access to any of her children. Her mother is actually a witch. I am not talking about the way she acts or the way she treats people like she's a witch. She is an actual witch, practicing witch, full of darkness. And so before she was sentenced and went off to prison, she got pregnant with another guy. And so that was out. 
Our little girl came into the world, and she was literally born in prison. Our little girl, please, when the service is over, feel free to come and ask to see a picture or pictures or a lot of pictures of a very beautiful little girl that I can't take credit for any of it. Our little girl was born in prison and was with her mother or by her mom for one hour and then taken away. And then was sent home with the bio mom's sister and her boyfriend. Only to three months later as a three-month-old baby to show up in the ER with ten broken ribs because the boyfriend couldn't handle her crying. Our little Hartley is going to have a different mom. She's having a different destination. Because I will spend my life telling her, don't let that happen. One day, that my wife and I have already cried a thousand tears over. One day we will sit down with our little girl at the right time and we will tell her a very, very painful story about the beginning of her life. But then we don't get to finish the story by it being bad. We get to finish the story by saying, And baby, I wouldn't ever want you to go through all of that. But in spite of that, that's how we now have you as our little girl. And I will remind my little Hartley every day of her life, Hartley, please do not allow your past to keep you in a prison of pain bitterness and unforgiveness because it is time that we understand our past has robbed us of enough. It's taken enough of us. It's done enough to us. It's stolen enough from us. The things that have happened in your past that you've carried for 50 years, for five years, five weeks, five months, the bitterness and unforgiveness has got to go because in the name of Jesus, you have a purpose and a destiny. It is not to rot in a prison. It is to be in the palace so that one day you can be in the place that you can save the children of Israel, that you can literally save the 
children of Israel, the brothers, your brothers, your own family. So one day in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you can stand in front of those brothers and say, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Come on, stand with me if you would please tonight. There is nothing that the enemy has done to you, robbed you, attacked you, come against you, that God is not able to bring healing to. I don't know if we can put on some music or somebody play with a guitar or the keyboard or whatever softly. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, that we can come boldly before the throne tonight. And and I thank you, God, that no matter what we go through and no matter what we've had to face in life, Lord, that we can come to you today and we can realize and recognize that you have healing for whatever we went through. God, I'm so thankful, Lord. I'm so thankful, Lord, for your grace. Lord, I know I haven't always done the right thing. I haven't always acted the right way. I haven't always been quick to forgive. But by your grace, Lord, I stand here today only because you're the dream giver. You're the dream sustainer. And no matter how many times and how many things and how many strategies the enemy uses to try to stop us, we know that at the end of the day, Our Godfather is our protector. He is our healer. He's the healer of our broken past. He's the healer of broken marriages. He's the healer of rape victims. He's the healer of those that have been abused, neglected, abandoned. God, tonight I thank you, Lord, that we can be a we can be vulnerable in the house of God, knowing, Lord, that you are our healer. You're the healer for my daughter. You're the healer for my life and everyone else's. God, I'll never forget the man that walked up to me. He must have been 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, I had to look up at him. He walked to an altar. He looked down at me and he says, since I was five years old, I was molested by my uncle. And since I've been five and I'm now 63 years old, I've allowed that moment to destroy my life. I've been through several marriages because of the drugs, and it continues to rob me. I can tell you about the young lady, 19 years old, that put a gun up to her head and pulled the trigger, wanting to end the pain. 
But God in his infinite wisdom and grace saved her from dying. And even though there is major disfigurement, she now has a better perspective on life than she has ever had. God, my little girl that was diagnosed at 16 months old with a rare incurable disease is 24 years old. She graduated from high school when they said it would never happen. She is a living, breathing testimony of what impossible and unfairness is like being a special needs where they made fun of her. They called her names. They sidelined her. And there is no one more full of the joy of the Lord has one of the most amazing ministries as she colors each week and writes a scripture verse. And then when she gets to church, she finds people that she's led by God to give them to. God, the only way we can ever be healed over our past pain is the first step has got to be forgive. You see in the story of Joseph with his brothers, the brothers were so concerned that now that Joseph was second in command of all of Egypt and at his word, his brothers could have been hung from the gallows. They could have been thrown into the deepest, darkest dungeons. They could have been beaten, discarded. But if that would have been the response of Joseph, it would have meant he would have never been allowed into the palace because God cannot bless unforgiveness. Healing starts when we begin to forgive. You say, I can't forgive them. You're right. You can't. But he can through you because he wants what he did on the cross as he hung there on the cross dying innocent for my sin he forgave those that had just spit in his face stripped him naked in front of his own mother placed a crown of thorns on his head stuck a spear in his side beat him 39 times and then nailed him to a cross 
If anyone had a reason to be bitter, it was Jesus. Because he was innocent. I'm not innocent. You're not innocent. He was innocent. But he said, I have to forgive. Because out of forgiveness, it's the lifeblood. It's the fertilizer for healing to begin. I want everybody just to look up at me for just a second. Nine years after my youth pastor did what he did, I had went off to Bible college. God started walking me through a healing process. He started teaching me some things about forgiveness. And he says, he says, forgiveness has nothing to do with the person you're forgiving. Forgiveness is not based upon the person that did the crime. Cause you the pain. In fact, a lot of times the person that has done that is not even available to forgive. They're dead. You don't even know where they're at. You don't even know who they are. Nine years after what my youth pastor did to me, I get a phone call one day out of nowhere, nine years later. I am now graduated from a Bible college with a degree. I am now traveling around the world as an evangelist, sharing my testimony. And because my picture was on a poster promoting in a certain area in a state that I was going to be speaking at events, that youth pastor was able to track me down and he called me up one day on my phone and he says, Ron, this is, and he said his name and he said, I just had to call you and I saw your picture and I saw that you're going to be speaking in the area and and I, I found out, you know, how good you're doing and I just wanted to call and say I'm sorry and you know what was one of the most freeing one of the most wonderful things that I was able to do in response that day it's like hey thanks I appreciate that but I gotta tell you something I forgave you a long time ago I want you just to bow your heads just a moment. I want to ask you a question. I've just shared some of the most intimate details of my life. I've spent these few days away from my family. Even today, my wife and Hartley FaceTimed me because at night time today, Hartley was crying for daddy because she missed me. And she wanted to see me. The only reason I say that is I'm not here to play games. This is as serious as it gets. 
please don't waste what God has set up here today. For 25 years, I've shared my testimony to literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people all over the globe. And it, and it doesn't matter if you're 5, 50, 75, any kind of economic background, any kind of leadership position, it doesn't matter, I've had them all. God wants to bring healing to some things in our past tonight because you went through some unfairness too and God wants to heal you and you would say Ron this testimony was for me because I have something that has caused me so much pain that I want once and for all to be free from that I want to be healed of that past pain. And you would say, Ron, that's me. Pray for me. Just raise your hand if that's you. And you say, that's me. That's me. That's me. Just pray. You can just put your hand up. Just put it right back down. Just want to know who to pray for. I want to ask one other question and then we're going to close. Is there anybody here that you would say, Ron, I now know that the biggest need of my life is I need to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. The greatest decision you'll ever make is to give your life to Jesus. And you would say, Ron, I need Jesus. It's as simple as that. I know I'm not living for God. Pray for me. If that's you, would you let me know to pray for you as well? Would you just lift up your hand? You just put it up and put it right back down. I just want to know who to pray for. Anybody? Anybody? cannot close out this revival without giving everyone a chance to receive Jesus Christ that knows that they're not living for God. All right. Father, there be anyone here tonight that doesn't know you it's not living for you may they know I didn't see anybody raise their hand that they needed Jesus that their life to God but I also didn't see anyone raise their hand that said I have something a painful past I'm a Christian I love God but I have something Maybe what a dad did to you. Maybe what a husband did to you. Maybe what a wife did to you. 
Maybe what a kid at school did to you, an uncle, maybe a teacher, maybe some unfairness, bigotry, racism, neglect, abandonment, whatever it is. I didn't see anybody raise their hand. They need healing from their past. But just in case they just weren't quite ready to do that, before we close, I want to give, if it's just one more person, one more chance. Because the greatest thing that you could ever do is start your journey tonight of healing. Because it's a journey. It will be a lifelong journey of giving it every day to God. The insecurities, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, the homosexual tendencies, the pornography, the affairs, searching for the things in all the wrong places all because of what you went through it was so unfair I want to give anybody else just one more chance for someone to pray with you that's been there they would say Ron you're talking to me I've got something that's so broken I went through a divorce. I went through rejection. I was abused as a child. I was molested. It, it doesn't matter if I mention it, if I didn't mention it. You know what you went through, and you do not want that to rob one more day of your life because there is a palace in your future, and you refuse to stay in the prison. You refuse to allow the rest of your life to be wasted when your pain your pain is too valuable to be wasted. And God wants to give you victory tonight. And I want to stand here with you. And this church wants to stand here with you and pray with you. So if there be anybody right now that you say, Ron, that's me. Would you just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I, I have a painful past. I need, I need prayer. Thank you. Anybody else, you just say, that's me. I, everybody that just raised their hand, I want you to come and stand here with me right now. Would you just come? Come on. Just, you know what I feel, letter of the Lord, there's, there's, there's some people right now, that, there's someone very close to you that this message was for them. They needed to be here. Maybe it's a son, it's a daughter. Maybe it's a spouse, ex-spouse. It's somebody close to you, and they've went through something in there. And because of the pain of their past, they're running from God. They're away from God. They're, they're, they're being consumed by their pain. And, and your heart is breaking for them. And you were like a thousand times through the message, you said, oh, I wish they were here. This was for them. You know who exactly who it is. It, this was speaking directly to you. If that's you, I want you to come stand in for them right now. Come on, hurry quickly. You, you know who you are. This is, you, you, you know 
somebody right now has had past pain and it is destroying their lives. And you said, I'm going to come and stand in with, and I'm going to stand in agreement that God is going to bring healing. It can be a child, it can be a, a dad, a parent, a mom, a grandmother. It can be anybody right now. Just I'm not trying to stretch anything out, I'm not trying to make anything happen. Just know that there's some hurting. Church, let's finish off this revival as, as a family. I want the rest of you to come and stand around me and sit down here. Would you come? If you're, if you're, if you're Christians and you believe in the power of prayer. And I, I want some of you to get in front of them too. If I can get some men of God to get in front of the men of God that are up here, if I can get some women of God to get in front of these women that are up here, some are standing up here because of, 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 of something painful in their past. Some are up here because they're standing in for someone that has went through things. And it doesn't matter which one it is, but I, I just want us to, to do something right now that is, is very important. And before we pray, this is, this is what I want you to do. Whether we're praying for someone, we're standing in agreement for someone that we know that the pain of their past is destroying them. Or whether we've been through our own pain. We have got to come to a point that we leave the pain at the altar. That's not who we are. You see, a long time ago, God had to make sure that I knew that I was not just damaged goods. That I wasn't just a little boy that was molested. That I wasn't just a little boy that was an easy target. That I wasn't just a cancer victim. That I wasn't just a dad of a daughter with a rare incurable disease. But know that I am a child of the most high God. So I want us to pray right now like we have never prayed. And I want us to weep and I want us to cry and I want us to let it go. All of the baggage, all of the emotions, everything, everything that they're carrying, we're going to lay it at this altar right now. We're going to leave it here. So right now, I want every one of us to start praying out loud. And I want us to begin to pray for healing. I want us to begin to pray God would bring healing over that pain. That God would bring perspective. That God would bring the the the, the, the breakthrough that they need in their life. There are people that we're standing in agreement for, that they are being seduced by the world, that the devil has told them that if they do this, that 
that this will compensate, that, that if you'll try this, they're leading this kind of lifestyle. They're, they're taking this, they're doing this, but that's a lie. That's deception, and we come against that. And so, God, right now we pray in agreement that right now you are breaking the bondage, you are breaking the pain, you are breaking the luggage, the emotional baggage that we have been carrying. That is not who we are. We are not the sum of our past pain, but we are children of the Most High God. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.